Take your Bibles and turn to Second Peter chapter number 1. In the message, um, there's, there's this little word, stir, and some, some of you may remember we just kind of, kind of hit some highlights on the definition of that word stir. And uh, we read these passages of Scripture, and this message has been kind of uh, in the back of my mind since then. And I think it'd be real good on the tail end of this uh, missions conference that we really encourage one another during this time. And um, that is my heart tonight, is to be able to encourage you uh, in the message. I'll be preaching on this thought, a matter of life or death. And uh, my soul, we, we heard from the missionaries about how that the, uh, the population ratio compared to the amount of gospel that was uh, able to be delivered over in Scotland and then in uh, Japan, how vastly different that or different that is. And then if we look here, Brother Dwayne, I believe it maybe it was in Sunday school, uh, could have been, uh, could have been sometimes Sunday, I don't remember, uh, but he began to talk about the birth rate and the death rate and uh, how many people are dying uh, compared to how many people are being born every second. And uh, I don't know if you really caught on to that, but it was about, there are about three times as many people being born into the world than there are dying out of the world. So the population is continually increasing, uh, but so is the need for the gospel. And uh, y'all need to really let that kind of pour into you tonight, uh, because that is... Uh, that is where the church's heart should be. Not just Lighthouse, but the church of Jesus Christ. It should be in reaching the gospel. And so if every one of us tonight, I don't know how many people are here, but if every one of us tonight were to be able to share the gospel with someone every single day and be successful in seeing that person saved, we could do that for the rest of our lives and still be in the deficit of leading Sumter County or Miss, Miss Sam, you live in, is it Macon or Taylor County? Taylor County, uh, my soul, uh, Sly County, we would never be able to win this entire region to, region to the Lord, even if we had a house full tonight. But what a blessing it is to be able to encourage one another to do it anyhow and to press on anyhow. And so that's kind of my heart tonight, and I trust that maybe the Lord will allow me to give you that. But we're going to be in Second Peter chapter number 1, <clears throat> verse number 12 through verse number 15. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in them, uh, where are we at? And be established in the present truth. Excuse me. Yea, I think it meet. When you see that meet, it is necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle, in his body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ Christ hath showed me. Verse number 15 is where we'll end. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always 
in remembrance. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day and for your blessings. We ask you now that you would allow us, Lord, to be able to preach the Word of God tonight. Allow us to be able to share what's in our heart. God, give us uh, what we stand in need of tonight. God, there are those that are not able to be here tonight. We would love to be able to share it uh, with uh, with the, uh, the social uh, media, Lord, but we're unable to tonight. So, Lord, I feel confident that, that you've designed, you've organized this, you've ordained this, so that this body of believers that are present tonight uh, can hear this message. And so we do ask you, God, that you'd help those that are in attendance tonight uh, to be blessed and encouraged and challenged in the message. Lord, and those that can't be here, we, we, don't, we don't pray any harm on them. We just ask you that you'd make it possible that they could be back safely at the next appointed time. We pray that you would allow us, Lord, to have this, this spirit of missions and the spirit of, uh, of evangelism in our hearts, Lord, for many years to come. God, we thank you and we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I want to preach on the thought, a matter of life or death. Now, I may have mentioned this before, and I'll just kind of tell you this little funny thing again. If you ever spend much time with Braylon, one, she doesn't, she doesn't forget things. Uh, she seems to remember things that every other human being would forget. Uh, but if she ever wants you to remember something, she doesn't just say, hey, do you remember when? And you answer, no. And she says, oh, okay, well, uh, you said this. That would be a blessing. But she doesn't do that. She has to stir you up. So instead of saying, hey, do you remember this one time when you told me you would buy me a, a new pair of shoes? And I say, no, I don't. Well, you did. And this is what you said. She said, oh, remember, we were in uh, Papa's blue truck and we were driving down this road and there was a uh, there was a landfill on this side of the road. And we we went about five and a half miles and turned to the right and went down in this little hole down here. And then then we had to turn back around because the road was closed and just on and on and on and on. And uh, so what she's doing is she's stirring us up. Now, some of y'all are laughing because you, you've been on the receiving end of the stirring. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you've never put a quarter in Braylon, uh, I promise you, you will not get changed back. Okay? You, you give her a quarter to tell a story, you may as well go ahead and, and just, just sit back and relax. And she won't let you go either. And uh, she, she'll be kind of like Brother Deke. He'll say, well, anyways, and he'll get right back on track and he'll tell you what he's going to say. So she likes to stir us up. And so here we see, he says, I'll not be negligent to put you in remembrance. He says, I think it meet that I, in verse 13, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And so tonight I want to stir us up and give you, I believe, about three things that Peter dealt with, and, and I'm preaching on this matter of life or death. Before we get to the message, let's just rehearse the, the basics of salvation tonight. He says there in verse number 12, wherefore, and when you see the word wherefore, kind of like the word therefore, you need to see what it is there for. Wherefore, in turn, flips the script a little bit and says, because of all of this, he says, I want us to look back to all that came before. He says, and you can read it in your own time, but he says these people had come to faith in Christ. 
They did not believe just because of Peter. They did not believe just because of Paul. They believed because of what they were taught and what they were they heard of Jesus Christ. They had been told about the guarantees of grace. We can find this in some of the previous verses. They had been given guides for Christian growth. Remember, we're in Second Peter. He's already written them one uh, 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 epistle. And now he's in this last book that he will write. And he has given them guides for Christian growth. Peter commits himself to their development. Now, I'll say this as a pastor, and I'm speaking solely for myself. If a pastor ever uh, wants to beat down his people uh, because they are not growing the way he thinks they should, then that pastor ought to stop and reassess the situation and maybe reevaluate how he's teaching and, and how he's preaching. He could be preaching above the crowd where he needs to get the cookies down on the bottom shelf. You understand what I mean? And uh, it's... It's often been said, and uh, I don't take offense to this, but it just kind of makes me giggle on the inside, uh, that we have some evangelists that come in and they're so deep and they'll, they'll dig down into some scriptures and they'll pull out nuggets and, uh, and, and they'll just amaze you with their knowledge. And then you come back in on Sunday morning and you're dealing with me and it's like, but you always make it so simple and we can understand. Now, I know what you mean, and I appreciate what you mean, but I'll tell you what, if we get so far digging down for gold and all of this, and we're looking for those big nuggets, we forget about those little flecks of gold. And so sometimes God allows a man of God to come in and say, hey, here is a gold mine, and there's a big boulder, a big nugget of gold, and here it is, but let's not forget about all of the other gold around. He allows us to see. And Peter, he is determined that even at the end of his life, he is going to commit himself to the church's development. He promises to keep repeating what they need to know in order to grow. Uh, some of the messages that you will hear that you've heard for the last 38 years have been messages to grow us, and that whether it's been John Den, whether it's been Milton Taylor, Buster Seaton, Sammy Allen, or some other man of God, let's know that they are all coming from the same book, and they may be repetitive, but the reason they are such is because we need to know them in order to grow. He's determined to establish them in the faith. If, if a man of God, whether it be the pastor or someone else in the church or a visitor, if they, if they want to just scratch the surface and they want to just stay up here and never get below the surface, see that scratching the surface is what a lay member can do. They can open their Bible and they can say, okay, that's what the Bible says. But they, God allows men of God to come into the church to be able to get under that substrate and be able, or substrate rather, and to be able to to excavate and be able to say, hey, you may have missed this. Like the little word wherefore, we, we oftentimes overlook it because it's one of those old words. But if we really understand that he is telling, that's a verbal key, that's a written key that says, hey, while you're right here, go back and read and so you can be refreshed in what I'm about to say. And so he says, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. And so Peter is determined to establish them in their faith. And this ministry came with a lifetime guarantee. I think if I could clear this up, this matter of life or death is not necessarily for you, though it is, but it's for the preacher. 
This matter of life or death is for that man of God that's been, that's been called, that man of God that's been told, go share a message. I was talking just uh, just a few hours ago uh, with a preacher, and uh, he was excited to hear about what's been going on here. And he said that there was a young preacher that came uh, into his church, and or a young man, and and he said that he was called to preach, and he uh, he tried to help him, and he tried to tried to uh, to give him as much information as he could. And he said, I, I think I must have turned him off of the ministry. I must have pushed him away because he's not even in church now. He's doing his own thing. And my words to him was out of First John chapter number four. He says, Beloved, he says we need to try the spirits whether they be of God. Why? Because many are gone out into the world. Many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so I told this young man, I said, don't beat yourself up because that man with a supposed call on his life left the ministry or left church because that could be God's way of Testing the spirits. Let's put this opportunity. Will he be faithful? Will he serve with instruction and with leadership? Or will he veer away? So uh, Peter, his ministry uh, was a lifetime of guarantees. I'm going to give you these three things and I'll probably try to go to the house. Let's look back at verse number 12. I want you to see number one, Peter had a purpose in life. Y'all still with me tonight on this Wednesday night? All right. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. We're going to look at that word here in a minute. Not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Peter had a purpose in life. He will be faithful to those who came to faith. He doesn't want to dismiss those that have come to the Lord in faith under His message or under His preaching or His ministry. He will keep instructing them in Christian growth. There's a man in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, he wasn't saved under me, but he went to church. We went to church quite often. Every once in a while, uh, he will message me somehow, and he will say, "Hey, I'm in a bad way. I really need some help." And these are things that have come up over and over and over and over again that I've told him the same things over and over and over and over again. And I could say, hey, and, I, and please don't misunderstand me. I could say, hey, dummy, I've told you this over and over again. You listen for about a month and then you fall right back off the wagon. I'm not going to help you anymore. Or I could do what God wants me to do and say, this young man needs some help. I'm going to give him the help even if it's the exact same words over and over again. He needs help. Is he saved? Is he lost? I have no idea and it matters not to me in a sense that it should negate whether I try to help him or not we ought to just help him amen and so Peter says if you are if you are saved if you are part of the brethren or as my daddy would say the sistren he said if you're part of the body of Christ I want to help you he says I will not be negligent to help you He'll prove his love for them through prayer and through persistence. These these converts, I'll say converts, these new believers, uh, this church, they're not going to just be numbers to Peter. 
I'll say this quickly. Uh, when I worked in Knoxville, uh, a lot of the people that I came in, in, in contact with, whether at, at the job or somewhere else, they went to some very large churches in Knoxville or the surrounding areas. And, and I'd, you know, I'd meet one one day and he went to the same church and I'd meet one the next day and they went to the same church. And, and so I'm like, hey, do you know this one over here? Uh, no, no, I don't reckon I know him. Oh, well, he goes, he goes to the same church with you. No, I, the, you know, the church is so big, we just don't, we don't see. Now, if that's the kind of church you like, bless your heart, that, that's fine. But I, I, li- I like to see Jody walk in. I like to see Miss Barbara walk in. I like to see Hannah walk in. And, and I, I, I like to be able to fellowship with them. And, but he says, I, I don't want you just to be a number. I don't want you just to be a name on the roll. I want to have a relationship with you. And so he says, I will not be negligent. And this word, it means, it, it denotes habitually careless or inattentive. He says, I may miss shaking your hand one day, but I'm not going to make it a, a, a purpose not to shake your hand. He, <coughs> he says, I'm going to do my dead level best. I will not be I will not be habitually careless or inattentive to show affection to you. And I believe that's what in a small church like we've got, I think that's a great blessing. Now, some of you don't, I'm not saying y'all got anything to hide, but if you do have something to hide, being a part of a small church, that's kind of hard. Being part of a small community, that's kind of hard, because everybody knows, everybody see the I little paper, it don't come out, but twice a week, and only in print one day, but I'm going to tell you something, if something bad happens, everybody going to know about it. <clears throat> y'all know I'm right. Facebook, man... Look, it's got to where I say, you know, get a call. Someone such and such passed away. And every time somebody says that, please don't put this on Facebook. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I fully agree. It ain't Facebook's business. Let the church, let the family, let them know about it. Then go ahead on and do it from there if they, if they give you, if they give you permission. Amen, Amen preacher. That's good preaching right there on Facebook. He says, he says, I, I, I'm not going to be negligent. See, I'm not going to be negligent. I, I, I want to care for you. I want to be attentive to you. He's going to keep reminding them of God's love. Oh, my soul. If we can be reminded, <laughs> if we can be reminded of God's love every day, what a happy day it would be. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Honey, you could get up on the wrong side of the bed or live on the wrong side of the tracks, but if you're reminded every day of God's love, you're a blessed man. You're a blessed woman because there's something about God's love. And Peter says, I want to show you. I want to tell you. I want to remind you about God's love. He will instruct them in the truths of God. Now, this message may be more for me than it is for you. Nathan said, what what can I do for invitation? Three times I said, I have no idea. We finally found something. We'll limp through it if we get to there. But I'm going to tell you something. This message is something to encourage the preacher. This message is to encourage the, the church member to keep on, keep on telling one another. You know, you get up here and you, you hear me on Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night 
You hear me at maybe a Bible study or maybe every once in a while in Sunday school or something along those lines or maybe in a special meeting I may say some words. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all see one another every day. Some of y'all talk together every single day. Do not let the opportunity pass to say I love you. Do not let the opportunity pass to remind one another how that God loves you. Do not let the opportunity pass to remind someone how that you talk to about the truths of God's Word. Amen. We need to follow Peter's example. We need to build up believers. There was a 1947, I know this goes back a little ways, 1947, there was a professor at the University of Chicago. He was scheduled to teach a class. He lived in Wisconsin and he was, he was traveling to Chicago. He was scheduled to teach a class, and it was coming up on the winter months. He lived about 50 miles away. And after, after the period of time to sign up for the classes, only, only two young men signed up for this class. Everybody thought that he would cancel it. That's a long way to travel just for two people. The students themselves thought that it would be uh, 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 just a shot in the dark if he could actually come and teach them. And he decided that those two people were worth it. And so every day for the semester, he traveled 100 miles round trip to teach two young men. So what does this have to do with Peter? Well, I told you that he had a purpose in life. And he had a purpose. He had, he had a reason that he wanted to build up the believers. Ten years later in 1957, those two young men, they have Chinese names and I can't say them. But those two young men, both won the Nobel Prize for Physics because of that one teacher that decided that they were worth it. He could have stayed at home. They could have canceled the class. But instead, he decided that they're worth it. There's a lot of churches today, and I have to be real careful when I, when I entertain these things. There's a lot of churches today that they're, they're running with the pastor and his family and maybe a couple other and I have to be real careful when I, when I entertain what I'm about to say. Sometimes it may be good for them to shut down and maybe join with another church. I think you all understand what I'm saying here. It's hard to grow when it's just a family plus two. But I believe Peter here, he's encouraging even that pastor that has a congregation of his family plus two. Or a congregation of 45 to keep on pressing on. Oh, everybody can't be a central. Everybody can't be a, a, I can't remember the name of the church, New Point or whatever it is on, on Highway 30. Uh, Brother Jim's not here because he's at the, the shindig at United Methodist Church tonight. Um, you tell him I said that, all right? Uh, <clears throat> he did call me and say that he was going, but I knew he wasn't. But anyway, you know, everybody's not going to be one of these large churches. But can I tell you something that you may not realize? I want everybody to look at me. Youngins, y'all look up here. Not everybody. Not everybody can be like Lighthouse Baptist Church. And y'all best better do well to understand and remember that. 
When you pull in and there's only a few cars in the parking lot and you wonder, oh goodness gracious, what's it going to be like today? Just know that no matter what happens in here, it's going to be God honoring and it's going to be something to lift you up and it's going to be something to pull some sin or some heartache out of you and something to, to encourage you and strengthen and challenge you. Not every church in this country has got what we have. And so just because we don't have a big old uh, flashing sign out there and we don't have a big parking lot full of the fanciest cars, know that above all of those things, we've got a high and holy God that comes and visits us quite often. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Amen. I needed that. <laughs> I forgot where I was. Number two. <coughs> That's pretty good. Y'all don't forget. Y'all don't forget that you got a little church over here where the people love you. Amen. Mm. And the reason they love you is because they love God. Amen. They don't care about the car you drive up in. They don't care about the amount of money. They don't care about none of those things. They care about you. Oh, what a blessing. <laughs> Number two, Peter had a persistence as he neared death. We told you that he had a purpose in life. Now he had a persistence as he neared death. Look with me in verse number 14. Knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. He knows that he is in the countdown stage of his life. Some of us tonight, we know that. Now, my daughter said it the other day, and, and I don't even think she realized that she said it. Maybe she did. We were at the table with somebody, and uh, she was... Uh, Ashlyn, I don't want to misquote you, but you said something like this. Maybe you've heard it, uh, that you're, you're, you're dying a little every day. I don't even know if you remember saying that. Do you? By the look, you don't. But quite honestly, every breath you take is one breath closer to your last. Every time you blink, as one less time you will blink on this earth. Our days are numbered. The, the, the Word of God tells us that, that our, knees, our days are... James says that our life is even as a vapor. And so we, we know that there are some that, that may be, I say that they may be closer, but quite honestly, none of us know. I'm 42 and some change, but guess what? I may be the first one to walk out of this earth without saying goodbye, and nobody really knows what's going on. And somebody else closer to a higher age, they may live for another 20, 30, 40 years. And it does not matter, but what I will say this is Peter knew that his time was coming. He knew that he was counting down the days. If you were to turn over, you don't have to, but if you were to turn over there to John chapter 21, verse number 18, Jesus, it says, uh, I believe it's Jesus, excuse me. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hand, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Y'all help me right there. Some of y'all are to that stage, and you know what I mean. 
But then he says, This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Jesus was winding down his earthly ministry. And he said, There is coming a time where I will not travel where I want to go, but I will travel where I would not want to go. And Jesus even prayed in the garden, Father, let this cup, let this penalty, let this this mission that you have me on, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And God gave him grace to go to Calvary. Amen. And I'm thankful that he went to Calvary. And he didn't do it begrudgingly, but he did it obediently. Because, what? Because, <clears throat> he did it obediently because he saw you and I in the need, in the sin, in the wickedness, in the wretchedness. He went to Calvary for you and I. And he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. I forgot where I was again. (laughs) Peter remembered Jesus' words about his own death. But Peter, I believe, remembered the words that he spoke about his death. Matthew recorded Peter's words. Verse number 35 of Matthew 26. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, Yet I will, de- will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. John chapter 13, verse 36 and 37. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither, thou, whither goest thou? And Jesus, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Peter spoke boldly about his courage and about his valor. He says, I'm going to go with you until death. You will not leave without me. But we find soon after there in John that he followed afar off and he warmed himself by the enemy's fire and denied God, denied Jesus Christ. I don't believe you forgot those things. I was reading just kind of a a, a little, 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 little side note. I don't even know why I was reading it. Wasn't in studying for preparing for this, but but you remember when when Jesus was denied, Jesus gave Peter a look. I don't know if y'all remember that, but but he gave Peter a look. Mm. But that morning, Samuel on resurrection morning, he told he told a young lady, might have been Mary, might be wrong on that, but he told a young lady, Samuel, go tell the disciples and 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 Peter. He said, make sure you tell everybody, but I want you to go real good, quick, fast, in a hurry, and make sure Peter knows that it's all right. Make sure Peter knows that I'm not dead. Make sure Peter knows that I still love. Well, glory to God. Make sure Peter knows that he's still one of mine. Make sure Peter knows that even though he denied me, I'm not denied him. Honey, there might come a day when you deny God, but mark her down. He's not going to deny you. Amen. Oh, my goodness gracious. I've been waiting for a week to preach. Y'all just, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, I got 14 minutes. I'm going to try my best. Y'all stayed here until 10 o'clock the other week. We'll do it again tonight. Well, I won't keep you out of that late, Sister Mildred, I promise. I want you to, I want you to listen to this Peter. I'm talking about Peter. Peter's final days in Rome are not described in the Scriptures. This is out of John Fox's book of Martyrs. He said, but various traditional accounts have survived, 
Reportedly, he spent horrific months in the infamous Mamertine prison. A place where incarceration was often itself a death sentence. Though manacled and mistreated, Peter survived the tortures and apparently communicated the gospel effectively to his guards. Eventually, he was hauled out of the dungeon, dungeon, taken to Nero's circus, and there crucified upside down because Peter did not consider himself worthy to be crucified with his head upward like Christ. Peter had a persistence as he neared death. He hadn't forgotten that his own martyrdom... You may not know what I mean by that. Most of you do, but... A martyr, especially for the gospel, is one that dies for the gospel's sake. And Peter was not alone. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, was a martyr. As far as we know, he was the first martyr for Christ. Then we see others. We see, even going back, we see John the Baptist. Maybe he was the first. Stephen, Peter, Paul, Andrew... James the Great, James the Lesser, these were all men, these were all disciples, and then it just goes on and on and on from there of men that refused to deny Christ in their death, and so they were killed. Peter sees the shortness of his time as a call to stress grace and to stress growth. I'm gonna see if my wife will make some of these. I saw I saw a, a, a something. I saw a picture. And apparently it was a, um, it's supposed to be like a subway, a long subway tile, about a, about a, a foot long. And it had on, on this side, it had grace and then just a period. Some of y'all seen that? I don't know if some of y'all seen that. It had just grace stenciled on with a period. Now y'all don't take my wife's idea. She's going to make a million dollars and tithe to the church from this idea, okay? But it was, it was framed in a wooden thing. But it was broken. And the man that was telling the story, he said they were at Hobby Lobby or one of those places. And that you saw. And they said, hey, look at this. And they said, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, but it's broken. And I said, but that's the point. He said, we were all broken. And then grace, period. Amen. was broken and then grace moved in and grace alone period you think you can do that honey I'll break them if you'll fix them Mm. he hadn't forgotten his martyrdom was approaching he sees the shortness of his time as a call to stress grace and to stress growth he was not going to abandon these believers Even in his final days, he wanted to be there for them. He wanted to make sure that they could count on his love and his prayer. Matthew Henry said, The nearness of death makes the apostle diligent in the business of life. You may have to let that settle in again. I want to read it one more time. Matthew Henry, The nearness of death makes the apostle diligent in the business of life. Elwood McQuaid said this, No matter how far we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, or how long we linger there, 
One thought should occupy our minds. How is God using our situation to touch others? I think it's important to note tonight that the valleys that we go in may not necessarily be to teach us something. They could be to teach someone else something. And so how we act and react in and around that valley, it may be more important than the valley itself. Number three, Paul had a positive view on the future. Verse 15, look with me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, after my death, to have these things always in remembrance. He says, the day's coming. The day's coming. And I want to make sure that when I'm gone, you can keep some things in remembrance. I'll tell you this tonight, and I realize, Abby, you're, 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 you and Samuel are family, and I don't. When I, and let me tell you, when I bring up Brother Dent, I definitely do not mean to bring up wounds. But for 35 years, Brother John Dent tried to make sure that these people at Lighthouse Baptist Church knew some things, so that when he was gone, y'all could live on. 35 years, Brother Dent preached the gospel. And he labored and he worked and he studied in the gospel. And many of those years he was all alone. But through faithfulness and through prayer, he pressed on. Brother Dean has said it and he's told me. Brother David has said it and we've had conversations. The church know this. But that when Brother, when Brother Dent resigned and, and the church, what was it in... The end of September, October, something of that same year, the church had a revival with Brother McNeese. And and he told the church that that there's a high likelihood that the church could could die. Some of y'all remember that? But it's because of the sacrifice of Brother Dent and the life that he instilled through God in you that are here that we're able to come in just... Four, three or four months after Brother Dent has resigned and hit the ground running and really, truthfully, never miss a beat. Even in whatever this virus is, even in it, we've been able to press on. We've only lost a handful and some of them are trying to get back and they're trying to gain traction. But I'm going to tell you something. God has been good to this little church and it's because there's been men of God throughout the years and now they want to see us prepare. <coughs> prepare to live just in case we don't. He believed that they would be faithful after his death. His efforts were directed toward this goal. He was confident that his ministry would continue through them. I have, I have, I have, I have a little issue with, with preachers saying, my ministry. It's not my ministry. I've been preaching for a long, long time. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. And God has called me into the ministry. It's His, His ministry. But when I say this, that He was confident that His ministry would continue through them, I want to be very clear to say that it wasn't Peter that they would remember. It's not John Dent that we would remember. It's the words that he spoke. It's the message that he, that he instilled 
revealed in us. And I believe Peter could stand on this platform tonight and say, I don't want to be lifted up. I want Christ and His Word to be lifted up. And so Peter said, even when I'm gone, I want you to remember these things. What, turning the tide here, what are we doing What's, what's the word when you grow a new, a new flower from a, a, a cutting? Propagate. Abby's teaching me. I had perpetuate, but I, and, and that's probably the right word, but, but I like propagate a little bit better. And, 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 and Abby, help me now. If I want to, if, if I have a, uh, if I have a plant that I'm going to take a cutting off of, and I want to make a new plant from that. That's called propagating, right? And so, Brother Jody, what we are to do as believers is we ought to instill part of us into someone else. And so we ought to propagate a new believer. Every time we share a gospel track, every time we pray over our meal and someone sees us or someone hears us, every time we, we try to be a witness out in the workplace or at school, what we are doing is we are cutting off a piece of ourself, which is a part of Him. And we are instill, we are planting that in someone else for someone else's benefit, Sister Barbara, so they can grow up to be someone in Him. Do I got that right, Abby? Did I do good? Praise the Lord. So my question tonight is, what are we doing to propagate the outreach of this church? What are we doing? Now, I don't, I don't want a bunch of Lighthouse Baptist churches springing up. But I want a bunch of little Christs springing up. And what is this, what is Lighthouse Baptist Church doing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Our God has commissioned us to reach the world. My goodness, Brother Moore did such a tremendous job. Uh, what was it on Wednesday night when he went to Matthew 28? My goodness. Jesus, this verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What are we doing to fulfill the commandment slash commission of Jesus Christ? What are we doing to share the gospel? There's a lot of ways we can share the gospel. You can. We, we, we try to be pushing our gospel tracks. You can push the gospel tracks. On the, the newer ones, there's actually a little... QR code, a little, looks like a little bitty puzzle piece. And if they take their smartphone, they can, they can bring up their camera and they can scan that. And it'll take them to a, a private page on our website that's got a video. It does not have a video right now because I have not made it. But it will take them to the page, I promise you. And that's coming very soon. But that video, in turn, will give them the gospel message. They've already read it in the track. But sometimes... They may not read the track, but they may see that QR code and say, what is this about? And so we want to do due diligence as a church to be able to give them every opportunity. 
Even if they're about to throw it away and they turn it over and they see that QR code and they take a moment to snap it, I want them to be welcomed and I want them to receive the gospel. That's one way of doing it. I, very soon, I want, uh, we're going to have some signs printed up and, and we're going to take maybe a Saturday or, or an evening at rush hour if, if people can go and we're going to stand downtown and we're just going to hold up those signs with gospel messages right out of the Word of God on them. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to preach. We don't have to beg people to roll their windows down. Just stand there with the gospel. If thou shalt believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You see, there's different ways. One-on-one, Brother Jody we can talk one-on-one to someone. We were in a restaurant. Uh, this has been many years ago. I was meeting a man. He was going to speak at a, um, a men's meeting that we were doing. And I'd actually never met him. I just heard him on the radio. And so I invited him out for supper. And we were sitting there. And he, he blew my mind. We're in this restaurant. And uh, I can't remember the lady's name. But the, 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 the waitress came up. And she got our drinks. And Brought, her, brought our drinks back to us, and he, he stopped, and he said, called her by name, and said, is there anything that we can pray for you? I thought, wow. Very simple. And she said, no, no thank you. She left, she came back, she brought our food. Very cordial, very nice to one another. And before we got up to leave, he asked again, he called her in my name. He said, are you sure there's nothing that I could pray for you about? And tears started flowing out of her face. He said, actually there is, but I, I just didn't, I didn't know if I could tell you. And she began to tell about some family situations and how that she needed prayer on how to deal with it, but her and her husband. And man, that made an impact on me. And I've done it a few times, but very few times. You see, that flesh... That flesh ain't saved. Y'all know that, right? And a lot of times that flesh will just beat the spirit down. You're, you're, you're wanting to tell someone about Christ, but that flesh is, is like a roaring lion. It's just <clears throat> pulling you back. But if we can ever get to the point, I, I'm saying this, my, my own shame, if we can ever get to that point where we can allow our spirit to overcome the flesh and share the gospel, there is no ending to the amount of people that we can reach for Christ. But we've got to get to that point. And it may be starting just, just real, real awkwardly. Hendon's, here, let me give you this. Or leaving it at a table. Or leaving it at a gas pump. Or somewhere like that. Or, or you know, I've been in libraries and putting tracks in libraries. And, and this, that, and the other. It may take something simple like that to kind of break that ice in our own spirit. So that we can talk to someone and say, hey, I've been watching you. Just want to give you this. I think this tract about joy and peace may help you. I'm not broke them out until last Sunday, I think it was. Not this Sunday, but the Sunday before. But we've got some chick tracks back there. Those are those tracks that are kind of like comic books. A lot of kids like those. But adults are being saved by reading those comic book tracks. As long as the gospel, as long as the pure gospel is being preached, God will be honored in it. Amen. Let's stand tonight.